Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Today, I want to talk to you um, in, in, the, in terms of actually examining Jesus' ministry and, and realizing that Jesus was incredibly focused in his ministry. And, and there were some really distinct aspects of Jesus' ministry, and I'll talk about those in terms of seasons. Um, and each of these distinct seasons in Jesus' life uh, also had a distinct focus. For example, um, in Jesus' ministry, there was what we might call the season of miracles. Uh, the first recorded miracle of Jesus that we know is uh, the turning of water into wine at that wedding feast in Cana. Uh, his mother came to him and says, Jesus, the wine has run out. And uh, uh, she was uh, hoping that Jesus would do something about that. It's interesting because we read this in John 2 and 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Uh, There's focus right there. Isn't that interesting? My time has not yet come. Jesus lived his life according to a schedule, according to a plan. He was very purpose focused. And he says, my time has not yet come. Jesus was living according to his father's schedule. Luke 9 and 51 uh, kind of infers that as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, dot, 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 dot. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Again, this was God's schedule that Jesus was committed uh, to keeping. Jesus had a sense of order. He had a sense of timing. And in context of this message, he had a tremendous sense of focus. Um, This might be a bit of an aside this morning, uh, but yet again we have here the evidence that God is totally into timing. He is totally into uh, structure. He is totally into plan. He is totally into strategy. Um, I've had people accuse me for many years now, uh, not often, but occasionally they'll accuse me of, you you quench the Holy Spirit because your services are so structured. And I I find that amusing and I'm very gracious generally in my response. But there seems to be this strange idea floating around in certain areas of Christendom that the Holy Spirit is only interested in these spontaneous, unplanned, untimed, unstructured, totally emotionally driven extended periods of free worship. That that's when the Holy Spirit moves and that's what the Holy Spirit digs and that's what the Holy Spirit is into. Can I say Jesus' life and ministry actually doesn't reflect that. Jesus is incredibly intentional. He is very deliberate, very structured, very strategic. And he certainly has this great sense of being bound to God's timetable. Now, I'm not saying the other is wrong. But what I am saying is that neither is wrong. 
And all you have to do is look at creation, look at the timepiece of creation, which is governed by days, which is governed by seasons, which is governed by years. Uh, it is so intricate in the way that God has orchestrated creation to function. And so God is actually into order. He's actually into timing. He delights in that stuff. But Jesus' mother says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, the wine has run out. And so Jesus, we know as the story progresses, uh, performs a wonderful miracle and the water is turned into wine. This was the first recorded of many, many miracles of Jesus. And this, uh, this kind of launched him into this, what I call the season of miracles. Many people are drawn to Jesus' miracles. It was in Jesus' day and even in the church today. The multitude followed Jesus because of his miracles. 5,000 people uh, gathered because of this miracle worker. They loved the miracles. And, and, and so many people even today love to make everything about the miracle power of Jesus. I wonder if Jesus would say to some people today, do you only love me for the loaves and fishes? Because everybody loves you when you make magic happen. But I think Jesus would encourage us, that's only one expression of my ministry. And on its own, the miracles are great, but on its own, the miracles are incomplete. Enjoy that season of miracles. Enjoy that time of the miraculous. But don't forget my season of message because that's the second part. The season of message, I would suggest, is a little bit harder to stick with. We like it when Jesus performs a miracle and the essence of the miracle is about Jesus blessing people at a point of need. We love the blessing. We love to receive what Jesus and Jesus alone can bring. But we struggle at times with the message. Now, we love the start, for example, of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says things like, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the, are the weak, blessed are those who mourn. But when Jesus starts talking about the narrow discipleship road, we don't like that so much. We like it when he says, for example, in Matthew 5 and 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will find God. We don't like it so much when he says in Matthew 7 and 13, Enter through the narrow gates, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. They're pretty heavy duty verses. And this is the message of Jesus. And friends, it would be wrong of me to stand up here every Sunday and preach miracles without preaching the message. Can I hear an amen this morning? Friends, don't cherry pick the ministry expression of Jesus. The miracles were only one aspect of his ministry. And if you were walking around as part of that crowd following Jesus back in the day, 
The miracle stage is awesome. It is exciting. But the message stage is a little bit tougher. Remember the 10 lepers? They loved the miracle stage. Reading from Luke 17 and 12, As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So it was in Jesus' day, and I would suggest it's probably never changed. Some people love the miracle aspect of Jesus' ministry. They struggle a bit more with the message aspect. Because the message aspect is about not just us receiving the blessing that comes through the miracle power of Jesus. The message is about us responding, us being disciplined. Luke 17 and 33 Jesus tells his disciples, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. The message phase of Jesus' ministry is about us being intentional, about us being focused, about us responding. John writes these words in John 6 and 60. He says, your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. I love this. He says... My forefathers ate manna. And he's, he's talking about uh, Israel being miraculously provided for as they wandered in the desert. He says, your forefathers ate manna. That's the miracle stage. And he punctuates that by saying, and they died. But then he goes on to say of the message, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. He's saying the miracles are great, but don't stop there. So we have the miracle stage in Jesus' ministry. We have the message stage in Jesus' ministry. And remember, we're talking about focus. And, and I don't know how many of us in this room this morning have experienced a miracle. I pray that we all have if we've been walking with Jesus for any length of time. I know I have seen many, many miracles. But I, I would say... Uh, Whilst we might see a miracle, maybe a few times in a lifetime, I'm talking genuine, you know, this is just God and God alone miracles. Maybe, you know, let's be generous and say a hundred times in a lifetime. But here's the thing about the message. You can experience the power of the message every moment of every day. And this is what I love. So we've got to ask ourselves in response to this theme of focus, what am I focusing on in regards to my relationship with God? 
Am I focusing on the right things or am I distracted by the wrong things? Am I invested in seeking God in the right areas or am am I wasting time seeking something in the wrong areas? And again, there's got to be balance here, but we've got to be focused. But here's the question. We've talked about miracles. We've talked briefly about the message. But is the message enough? And this is really important. You know, Jesus actually criticized the Jews for reading the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? John 5 and 39, you diligently study the Scriptures, which is, we think, a good thing, because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So basically what he's criticizing them for is that they are studying the scripture to get the note to get to know the scripture but they failed to realize that the whole point of scripture is that we would get to know Jesus. You see the purpose Jesus would say the purpose of scripture is to reveal me. The purpose of scripture is to get to know me. And that's why friends the message on its own isn't enough. The miracles aren't enough. The message isn't enough because there's also what I would call the moments stage. And I want you to get a hold of this. We don't talk about this enough. Is your life consecrated enough that you experience frequent moments with God? What do I mean by that word consecrated? The word consecrated basically means holy or sanctified, or I like this, this uh, description, uh, set apart. Is your life set apart enough that you frequently experience moments with God? Because you can go to a meeting and experience a miracle. You can come to church and hear the message. But when you leave these meetings... The only thing that is going to make all of this work is if I have a life so consecrated to God, so set apart for God, that every day I have wonderful moments with Jesus. Because friends, if your life is not set apart, you're going to leave this place or leave a meeting and you're going to quickly lose focus. Friends, you can get the message in church, and obviously at home we can dig into the message of God, but I'm talking about teaching and preaching. We can can receive insight in this place, but you can go home or wherever you are, in your car, at work, at home, wherever you might be, and you can have these wonderful moments with God. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up who's ever had a moment with God, because I'm sure we all have at one point or another in our life, if we are Christ followers. But you know, those wonderful moments with God can be anywhere and they can transcend anything you're going through. You can be walking down the street. You can be doing the shopping and have a moment with God. You can be driving in your car and have a moment with God. You can just be standing there. And I tell you, the miracles and the message might be the furthest thing from your mind, 
But you're standing there and you just have this wonderful moment with God, this wonderful moment where Jesus just turns up and you just are aware of the presence of God. You can be having the worst day and the middle, in the midst of your worst day, all of a sudden, God just shows up and you have this great moment. And the key to these moments is proximity. The key to these moments is closeness. Friends, Jesus wants to have moments with you. But again, the question is, is your life focused enough to experience the moments that come from being close to him? So again, the question, is your life consecrated enough? Is it set apart enough? Because here's the thing about this message and how I framed it today. Each one of these stages, if we can call them that, requires a little bit more discipline. Each one of these stages requires a great deal more focused. In fact, at the miracle stage, I don't have to do anything. I've just got to be in the room. And God shows up and bam, a miracle happens. And we are the recipients of that and praise God and how awesome that is. But it didn't require anything on my part. But then... The message stage requires some discipline. And then I would say that the moment stage requires an even greater level of discipline and focus because to experience those moments with God, you've got to be walking close with Him. It is about me living a life so consecrated, so set apart that I have the most amazing encounters with God no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with or no matter what I'm facing. And I wonder how many people lose focus and miss the moments because they're chasing the miracles. And I know there are people and, uh, that, that, that just go from meeting to meeting to place to place, chasing after the supernatural miracle power of God. And we're going to this place and we're going to that place and we're following this and we're doing that. And, we're, and it's like, hey, don't miss the moments because you're chasing the miracles. I wonder how many people miss the moments because they're absorbed by the message. And you would think that that is a good thing. And I, friends, I love the Word of God. But one of my favorite Bible teachers, it was, uh, he was writing about it and he said, one of my moments with God came, one of the greatest challenges I, I, I happened in my life through a passing comment from his wife. And she said to him one day, how are you doing with Jesus? And he felt that that was a really unusual comment from his wife, who was his partner in life and in ministry. And uh, he, he had devoted his whole life to being a teacher of the Word of God. And his wife said, how are you going with Jesus? And he found that a most awkward and peculiar question. And he said, oh, I suppose I'm doing okay. Why? She said, well, as I observe you, she, she said, I have a fear that you treat Jesus like a business partner, not like a saviour and friend. 
And he said it was one of the most sobering moments. And can I tell you, as somebody who loves to preach the Word of God, uh, it can be a vocational um, uh, hazard that you, you, you're so into the Word of God, but it's not about my relationship. It's not about those moments with Jesus. And, and I thought it was so profound that his wife just said to him, you treat Jesus like a business partner. And, and as it was a challenge to him, it was also a check for me as well. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I don't want to miss the moments because I'm stuck at the message, if that makes sense this morning. And so, friends, we've got to draw so near to Jesus, but in order to enjoy the moments, you've got to fully commit, you've got to fully invest, you have to invest time, you have to walk so closely with Jesus, you have to, you have to develop a 24-7 awareness of the presence of God, regardless of what it is you are doing at any moment in the day. You have to come to that place where you have this level of intimacy with God that says, you know what, I can't even pretend that I've got God totally worked out. Some things I just don't understand, but I know because I walk so closely with Him that I will never, ever, ever, ever doubt Him. My faith is unshakable because of those moments that I have as I walk with God. I don't always see Him. I don't always understand Him. But every now and then, frequently in fact, I have these moments with God. There may have been a time where I almost gave up, but I had a moment. I was fearful, but I had a moment. I was overwhelmed, but I had a moment. doesn't happen every day, but every now and then, just when I need it, I have this moment. Friends, praise God for those moments. And can I say, actually, that's why this church is here. In 2003, Kerry and the kids and I, we came back to Tasmania uh, thinking that we're coming back here for a holiday, whereas we're actually coming back to have a moment with God that we didn't even know we were about to have. But if we didn't have intimacy with God, if we weren't walking closely in relationship with God, seeking God we could well have missed a moment with God. That was the birthplace of this church. Friends, if your life is not consecrated, if your life is not set apart, if your relationship with God is not focused, your vision of God is going to be blurry and you'll miss your moments with God. And, and I want to encourage you this morning or I want to warn you, if you live your life out of focus, life is going to go pass you by so quickly and you'll just be wondering what was that all about and and I'm 55 and I think man where did that time go I don't remember 55 years I remember a few highlights from my teenage years I remember a few highlights from my 20s few highlights from my 30s few highlights from my 40s but life often seems to be a blur but we do remember the moments we remember the moments that were significant. We remember the moments that, were, that brought about meaning. We remember the moments that brought about focus. Um, yesterday, hundreds of people gathered uh, to farewell Ruth's dad, who was an amazing, amazing man of God. But we didn't sit there reflecting on a whole life. Really, what was expressed through the eulogies and through that brilliant video from the grandchildren uh, was these moments. And, 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 and life is filled with moments. Can I encourage you, what, what makes you a good parent 
is not how many gadgets you buy your kids and not how many sporting events you can, uh, you know, or sporting clubs you can enroll them in. What makes you a good parent is those moments that you have with your kids. What makes a marriage is a, a good marriage is not that you can celebrate that we've had, you know, 50 years together. What you celebrate is the moments. That what's, that's what enriches your marriage. If you go too many years in a marriage without a moment, that's not good. Moments bring focus. You know, personally, I can remember very clearly the moment that I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And you, many of you know my testimony, but I, I was raised in a God-fearing house. Music quickly became my God, though, when I was introduced to music at the age of eight. And it was only when I was 23 that I, I seriously said, God, here's my life, fully surrendered to you. I remember that moment. I remember when I was 14, though, being swept out to sea, and I can remember this like it was yesterday, and uh, I was in trouble. And uh, I have subsequently read on a number of occasions that people who have been revived from drowning actually talk about this amazing peace that washes over them before they go unconscious. Um, and, and here I am being washed out to sea and there was a moment just before I was going under for what I thought was the last time that I just felt overwhelmed by a sense of peace. And I prayed and I said at 14, God, if you're finished with me, take me peacefully. Hundreds of yards offshore, my next conscious moment was walking up on the sand. And that was a defining moment because that forever stayed with me, thinking not only had God not finished with me, but God had a purpose for my life. So that was both a miracle and a moment. But I'll never, ever forget that. That was a defining, defining, life-changing moment in my life. When Kerry and I were called into full-time ministry, that was a defining moment Never forget that. And it was scary. And we, we gave up everything to follow God's call. I will never, ever forget the moment that I got off a plane in India for the first time. And God broke my heart for world mission. That was a defining moment. I remember when God gave us in 2003 the vision for this church. That was a defining moment. They were life changing moments they were defining moments that so brought my life into focus and friends here's the kicker when you know what it is to have moments with God when you move from that place of experiencing the miracle power of God and if you are saved here this morning that's the greatest miracle that you can celebrate in your life that miracle stage of God, that blessing of God that comes because He is a God who loves to supernaturally bless His kids. That's our miracle working Father. But we move on and commit and focus in that message phase, not so that we stop at the message and love the message, but because the message introduces us to our friend and our Saviour, Jesus. And then through that drawing close to Him, we, we experience those wonderful moments that sustain us through life. But it doesn't stop there because you cannot have a moment with, G, with, with Jesus without hearing His voice calling you to mission. Luke 9 and 51, As the time approached for Him, for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
We spoke about this last week, reading from the New King James. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was committed to his mission, even knowing what it was about to cost him. And friends, again, I encourage you, when you have those moments with God, recognize that it's in those moments that Jesus draws us into mission. We love the miracles. We love the message. We love the moments. But the challenge for us in 2020 is, am I engaged in the mission? Am I engaged in the mission? I want to give a huge shout out to everybody who serves in the life of this church. And I praise God for those who are engaged in the mission of this church. I want to, I want to praise particularly, I'm not going to mention anybody by name, but we've got a, a team that comes and sets up here every Sunday morning. They're here at 7.30 every Sunday morning. And there's a few guys in that team that are there every single Sunday morning. And they are engaged in mission. And I want to thank them because they are such an incredible blessing. They do an amazing job. But let me let you in on a secret. Those guys are not any less time poor than any one of us. They're no less busy than any one of us. They have just as many kids as everybody else. They're just as time poor as anybody else. But they know what it is to commit to and to engage in mission. And the church is richer because of you. The worship team that comes up here uh, every Sunday morning. Uh, and we're thankful for their gifts. But these guys are just as busy as everybody else. They have just as many kids as everybody else. They're just as time poor of everybody else. But they get together every Tuesday evening to prepare to bring their best of a Sunday morning. And we thank them for that focus. For all of our pastoral staff and our admin staff. Yes, they are paid to do jobs, but every single one of them works over and above and beyond the hours that we pay them uh, to, 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 um, to work in the life of the church. And they know what it is to give over and above. They know what it is to serve as well as to work vocationally in their skills and talents and gifts. But I thank them for their focus. I thank them for their commitment. And I could go on and on and on and on in the life of this church. So blessed by all of our legacy partners, which is the vast majority of our church, that's saying we want to sow in to the vision that God has set before us. And because of that generous heart and that kingdom heart and that kingdom mindset that says, God, everything that I have is yours, we're going to see our transition mid-year into our new building. What a great year this year is going to be. And we're excited about that. But I want to thank you because God has called us to be on mission. Our, our faith experience should not stop at miracles. It should not stop at message. It should not stop at uh, moments. All of those things together should spur us on into mission. Can I hear an amen this morning? In Matthew 9 and 37, he says to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest fields. And there's the mission right there. You know, so often we, we pray for salvation for people. As I think is right that we do, God, would they be saved that your Holy Spirit would do a convicting work in their hearts? That's all good and valid, but uh, we should be praying, God, here, here I am, send me. May I be the person, may I be the vessel that you use, uh, the mouthpiece of Jesus. 
the heart of God, the hands of Jesus to reach out uh, to those around me with the love of God. Friends, there's no question we see this reflected in the ministry of Jesus. You got your miracles, you've got the message, uh, you've got the moments that we have with Jesus. Uh, but in 2020, as we focus, what are we focused on? Have we received our mission, both personally and corporately as a church? I think I know where the church is heading and that excites me, but it needs individuals to say, here I am, God. I want to be on mission for you.